You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a beautiful blue sky Simpson Clouds edition of Advantage Connors. Here with my co-host as always, Jimmy Connors. How are you today? I'm back and I'm ready. It's uh, You're in LA. It's, I'm in Santa Barbara and the sun's shining. It's a beautiful day. Ready to go. Nice. Yeah, doing good here. Uh, just got home from work. Um, doing some tennis the clay court season as we made fun of last week is uh still ongoing uh two men's in, in, and, full, in full bloom yeah in full bloom uh we got uh let's see we got we're in kitzbühel for the men but we did actually finally start some hard court we got um we're in atlanta a lot of american men playing down in atlanta uh but kitzbühel and then two women's clay court tournaments so um what do you think about that are we gonna i don't really feel like spending too much time on it but no, I, I, you know, I, I think that, that, uh, you know, the tennis and, and, uh, and what's going on now, it's, it's, it's interesting that, uh, uh, you know, guys, guys take advantage of the clay court season where, you know, they get almost two bites at the cherry, I guess, don't they? It's, you know, mm-hmm. leading up to the French, the French, then it goes to the grass and then a fast court. And I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, but you know that's the way it is. You know the the players now they uh, they go and they take advantage. It helps their ranking, you know, which in turn you know gets them in more tournaments, which in turn gets them more endorsements. So you know, heck, why not? I guess uh, you know not my not my cup of tea, but uh, you know maybe that's theirs. So right. that's good for them. Right. Yeah, I think our our guy Curios came out and said something uh, this week, almost like you know, hey, they're you know you guys are stealing points, you know, because uh, you know what what's the point of uh, having seasons if if there's like miniature, you know, other seasons within, <laughs> within right. the other ones, yep. you know, like if you're going to go to grass and make that a season, you know, and there's enough room to fit the clay, we said it last week, then maybe make the grass court season a little longer or start the hard court season earlier. But it does seem like a little disadvantage where like, if you're not a clay quarter, these guys are running back to the clay and getting two or three weeks of, uh, of extra points before the hard court start. Yeah, I, I guess you can look at the hard courts the same. You know, in, in March or so, you have Indian Wells, and then you have down in Miami, uh, it, you know, and then they go over to the clay. So and now now you got the hard course leading up to the U.S. Open. So I, I don't know. Maybe you can look at it both ways. Yeah. You know, but uh, hey, 
uh, it, uh, tennis is what it is. And, and uh, you know, at the, the tournaments and, you know, it's, a, it's not just one tournament or two tournaments a week. Now it seems that there's three and four tournaments every week. And, you know, which is, you know, in some ways it's good. It gives more players an opportunity to play, but, you know, does it dilute some of the other events? Yeah, I guess uh, you can look at it one one way or the other. Yeah, definitely probably grows the sport, I guess they could try and say. But w- the best part about four tournaments every week is the gambling. If you like to bet, there is options around the clock in tennis. When people talk the best sports to bet, I always uh, jump up and say tennis just because of that. You know, like, you know, football, it's Saturdays and Sundays for the most part. And then, you know, you a couple, a couple games throughout the week and, you know, and then the other sports have seasons that are five or six months. But man, tennis is it's an 11 month season. And, and yeah. you know, there's a tournament in, in Asia and then there's one in, in Europe and there's one in the States and it's around the clock. So as far as uh, that angle, I like it. But uh, we'll, we'll skip the tennis. Let's move on. What else is going on with you? Well, yeah, I, I was reading the sports page this morning and uh, I look at the. Uh, you know, Drew Brees, he's exploring broadcasting. I, I kind of like that. You know, he was certainly a, a great champion and a, and a great uh, uh, promoter of football and, and for, you know, for the game. And, you know, his record certainly speaks for itself. And, you know, it always interests me uh, when, when an athlete, a player, uh, wants to get into the broadcasting because I'll listen to him because he's been there and done that yeah. and, and, and been thrown in every situation that uh, – you know, that he can talk about, you know, whether on either side of the ball. So, you know, his expertise and, and his knowledge is, is something that, you know, I want to hear about what he was thinking, you know, how, how it affected him, you know, what he had to do to get through that situation, as opposed to somebody trying to guess what was in his mind. And so uh, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing him. And, and if, if he gets into it and does it, you know, I think he, says, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a different schedule. It's on weekends, it's family, and, you know, there's other obligations and so forth like that. But, uh, hey, if he gets into it, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be interested uh, to see what his, uh, you know, what, what he decides to do because uh, that, that would make me tune in even a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Breeze fan. I mean, I, I have a feeling he saw that Tom Brady money and was like, maybe I do want to get into broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, that. I guess, well, that, that leads me into the other one, you know, the, you know, the LIV tour is once again in the news and, you know, uh, money, 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 Yeah. you know, so it's not, you know, Hey, listen, I'm, I, I say that with a smile on my face because I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and like seeing that, you know, whether, uh, whether you're on the field or behind a microphone or, or whatever, if, if you've got the credentials and the expertise to, to bring it, you deserve it. Right. Uh, and, uh, you, you, you paid your dues. Uh, you've got the scars to prove it, and and uh, you know you you can lend a lot to you know to uh, either side of it, and they have proven that on one side, which is on the field. So hopefully the same on the uh, on the microphone side. Yeah, um, I wonder if that you know like this is the beginnings where like everyone thought you know hey these are going to be the leagues that are going to be the leagues forever, the PGA and the NBA and the NFL and and all that stuff, and and you wonder is this the beginnings of once you know there's competition out there that can afford to create a, a rival league you know will this will this spin into other sports like tennis you know will it go to women's golf i know norman's has floated uh trying to maybe maybe make it go to women's golf see if it works there so yeah man i mean like it's interesting to watch it unfold because i think when we started talking about it people kind of you know thought it was a joke and thought if they made fun of it on twitter enough it would go away and and that that hasn't happened 
Um, so yeah, it's fun to watch it play out and, and to see where it goes. Cause we both love golf. Um, before we move on some, some scar tissue I got with Drew Brees, uh, going back uh, quite a few years, there was a, a year after the Marino years for the Dolphins, where uh, we were ready to uh, sign a new quarterback after the Jay Fiedler era was through. And it mm. came down to two free agents. We had Drew Brees, who was coming off a shoulder injury. He had dove at the goal line, sacrificed his arm, uh, tore his arm up kind of bad. Um, uh, he, so he was coming off that. And then there was Dante Culpepper, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, who was coming off a really bad knee injury. Both guys coming off injuries. Hmm. One guy known for throwing pretty much, a breeze, not a runner. Culpepper, kind of more of a running quarterback with a cannon. We decide to go with Culpepper. Culpepper never really does anything ever again in the league. And uh, as we know with Breeze, Breeze goes on to have a Hall of Fame career, winning a Super Bowl for the New Orleans Saints. And now talking about going on to, into the broadcast world, I'm just still bitter at Miami Dolphins management for not making the right decisions on that one. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I say it every time, but you, you uh, have lived and died with them over, you know, since you've been about five years old, I guess, four or five years old. And, you know, one day they're, they're going to, you know, rise up and, and, uh, and make a good run for you. And, and, and there's only one, I don't think there's anybody in, in, uh, in this country that's going to be, uh, happier than you if they do. So I, I got my fingers crossed for you. I also got my fingers crossed that we win the lotto. So right. And also go. don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just don't do that. But um, what God. else? Anything else going on? I see the, uh, there's some some stuff in the news with uh, kind of sports related. With Have you seen this with Brittany Griner, the WNBA player, great collegiate player? Um, right. was arrested and detained in Russia for, for having, uh, I'm not exactly sure what she had, but some sort of marijuana um, products on her uh, while she was traveling. I think she plays, plays basketball over there. So um, they're, yeah. they're trying to do a, I see here, U.S. offers substantial proposal with Russian arms dealer Victor Bout for release of two Americans, Brittany Griner and uh, another guy, Paul Wellham. Wow. Well, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, the, the containment that, uh, that she has had over there along with, you know, a couple other Americans that, uh, that have been contained and, you know, hopefully, you know, works out, uh, you know, that we can get them back on American soil and, and, uh, you know, maybe right now it's, uh, there's an idea of, of, uh, you know, that that's a good place to stay away from at the moment. <laughs> so, uh, right. I, I, I don't know, but that's, you know, that's a serious situation. I think if, if, uh, she gets convicted, I think she's up for 10 years, you mm-hmm. know, in a prison over there. And, and, uh, you know, that's no walk in the park. So, you know, I hope things, uh, you know, work out. And, and I know that there's been some letters written to, you know, uh, I think even, even, uh, president Biden, uh, you know, has uh, gotten some, some uh, correspondence, you know, from her family or in friends and, and, uh, you know, with, uh, the idea of, you know, trying to help to get her out of there and, and, uh, along with the, the other Americans that are there, which would be, uh, that would be a good, uh, you know, a good thing. And I hope that works out soon. Yeah. It's a interesting story. Cause it shines a light on a few things, you know, like you, you know, obviously all the political stuff, I don't want to get into that with the war and everything, but just the, uh, you know, cause everyone, the world seems to be getting so smaller. You know, it's smaller, it's easier to access with the internet and travel becomes more accessible to people and, and all that. And so like, you kind of forget, like, you know, you leave where you're from, she's probably from the States or wherever she, where she lives and wherever she comes from, maybe it's okay to have those marijuana products or to travel with, you know, whatever she had, you know, on her. 
or if she has a doctor note or prescription, you know, and it's okay in the country she comes from. But then, you know, you traveled, right. you know, Russia to 10, 11, whatever thousand miles away. You, in, in your mind, it's just a quick, hey, it's a 10 hour flight. I'm just here. I get off the plane and I go to a hotel. It looks like the hotel where I came from before. But now right. you're under their rules. It's, you know, their guidelines, their history, their, you know, culture and, and all that stuff. And it, and it makes you think because, you know, I think I saw her say something like, you know, I had, I had a doctor prescription. It's like well, a Russian doctor. You know what I mean? Right. Like you have an American right. doctor. It's like, in, but you're in Russia. And so it's, you know, I hope, I hope everything gets worked out because it seems, you know, lame that an athlete just, you know, doing something probably that didn't have any malicious intent gets uh, caught up and has the chance to go for 10 years. But it was, it's a good uh, lesson, I guess, to, to, to take yeah, note for of. everybody else, right. for everybody else that's traveling to, you know, make sure you pack your own bag and you, and you know, you take your time and make sure that, you know, the things that are, you know, where you're going that shouldn't be in your suitcase, shouldn't be in your suitcase, uh, won't be in your suitcase. And, you know, to have any more, uh, you know, things happen like this. And, uh, you know, I, I wish her the best and her family. And, uh, you know, I hope, uh, you know, that uh, the, the U.S. can step in and, and, and help her out and, and the other Americans over there to bring them home. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, what else is going on? Anything Ooh, well, I, you know, I got, I got to look at, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, has been in the news for quite some time and, uh, it's, uh, you know, just Lane Max Maxwell. Mm, uh, is, uh, yep. And, uh, you know, she is to serve 20 years in a, uh, Florida low security prison. And, and, uh, I know that, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the things where, you know, she was, I think in, in, uh, in prison in New York at first and, now to be shipped down to Florida and, and to, to be serving, you know, serving 20 years. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people were kind of waiting to see, you know, what the, what the outcome of that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, from, uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein and, and, you know, he committed suicide, I think was that three or three <coughs> years ago <coughs> or so. And, committed <coughs> and, suicide. <coughs> suicide. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, waiting to see, you know, you know, uh, she was under watch and, and so forth while she was in prison and, you know, for her to get 20 years and, you know, to, to have, you know, all that kind of, uh, you know, come, come to a head is, is kind of, kind of interesting. And, yeah. well, uh, you know, it, uh, what do you think about, let me ask you a couple of questions about it, put to give you some perspective on it. So just Lane's Maxwell gets 20 years in a softer prison, right? right. R. Kelly the singer rapper uh, slash, you know, pedophile dabbler who we know all the stories about with the, uh, you know, what is it? Surviving R. Kelly. So there's a documentary. Yeah. So it's well known that this guy is like a predator and all this stuff, probably on the same level as being well known as Ghislaine Maxwell as being a predator and, and having all these ties, right? R. Kelly gets 30 years, probably deservedly so. But I thought it's interesting. Like, like there's these, there's two, um, uh, uh, trials that that went on that seem to distract and are good to use to kind of compare. So R. Kelly gets 30 years. Probably there's similar amount, you know, maybe there's more uh, eyewitness, um, you know, uh, you know, where they actually tell you that, you know, R. Kelly did this to me and maybe they don't have that for Maxwell. But all the evidence we've seen just in the media from Maxwell and the connections and Epstein and best friends and at this wedding and that wedding, all this stuff. So she gets less time than R. Kelly. And then the other thing that was interesting is while her, her trial was going on, what was the actual story and what was the trial that was in the news every night instead of hers? You remember? Uh, Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp. Right. Yeah. Well, right. You know, maybe, 
yeah, maybe that was the, you know, to, to take a lot of eyes off that, you know, people interested in Johnny Depp, he's a, you know, movie star and, and, uh, you know, on trial for, you know, for a lot of things that, uh, you know, uh, went on, you know, in the household, you know, mm-hmm. which this was too, but, uh, you know, to, to, to hear, uh, you know, what he had to say and the importance of what they thought that was, was, uh, you know, a lot different than, than, uh, than the, the, uh, the Jeffrey Epstein, right. just like Maxwell and, you know, and everything that went on there. So, uh, I, 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 mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was, I was always under the, uh, under the impression that, uh, you know, if, if, if it doesn't feel right, stay away. Right. Right. <laughs> well, know, I think, you, I you think know, it's it, the thing that's crazy about it is how much does the Johnny Depp trial affect you or me? Or anybody you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that's true. Not at uh, all, pretty yeah, much. That, right? Not at all. No. And then and no. even R. Kelly. R. Kelly doesn't affect me. Doesn't affect you. Doesn't affect mom or Melina or anybody we know. Obviously, it affects the people. It affected the families and the people that were, you know, that he uh, abused and everything like that. But for the most part, like the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world, it doesn't affect. But right, Jelaine right. Maxwell. And Jeffrey Epstein, with their ties to the people that they're rumored to be in cahoots with so, and yeah, associated with, with and allegedly in blank, 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 are all the people in positions of power who are all making decisions that all have huge implications and ramifications on all of us. They're trying to tell us what we can do, what we can't do, where we can't go, what we have to put in mm. our body, what we don't have to put in our body. All this kind of stuff are these people that have connections to this pedophile ring, essentially. Like Maxwell and, uh, and Epstein are, are, you know, a high, high class Beverly Hills, uh, you know, Manhattan-ish uh, pedophile ring. You know, they're not, the, they're not the Skid Row kind. They're the real classy no. kind, you know? That's why they get sent yeah. to the soft prison, yeah. and you know. I, I wonder. I wonder if if we even know half of uh, you know the whole story. No and, way. You know that, that's kind of yeah. You know so you know the you know what it what it turned out to be. I mean you you, you know the all the the young kids that were taken advantage of and and uh, you know this is just from you know me reading. There's no insider here or, or whatever. You know this is all from reading and the news and here's here's say yeah. and there's what's say out there to all say. of us. Yeah, you know and and. Uh, you know, but, you know, the, the young kids that were affected and, you know, how their lives were affected and, uh, you know, it just, you know, you, you see things like that or you hear things about, about that and you go, do we ever hear things like that when, you know, when, when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure it went on. I'm, I'm sure it did, but, it, you know, with 24 hour news, we talked about this before with, you know, nonstop cable and just, you know, putting on a loop and just hearing it and hearing it and hearing it uh, nonstop is, you know, something that, uh, you know, eventually it gets in your mind and you're going, you know, well, you know, what, 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 <laughs> you know, and how, how did all this happen? How did it all come about? But, you know, just, uh, you know, the, the young kids and, and how their lives were affected and, you know, and that's, you know, that could have been years and years ago. You don't know and how long that's been and how old these kids now are in their thirties maybe. And, and, uh, you know, their, right. their, uh, their lives are, have been changed forever. So, but anyway, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's only here's, you know, from what, yeah, from what yeah. I read yeah. and, and how it is. But it's and, just interesting. But, Even uh, if you take away that, the story, it's interesting to see how it kind of shows you a sense of how like power protects itself. You know what I mean? Like the story that gets the pub is the story that can hurt power the least. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when given well, the chance, well, it's like should we cover yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah. Depp 
or the thing and that could blow way, up in our face. I think a little bit too much now about Johnny Depp too. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 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 When also like but, the things they made a big deal is like, Oh, a mega pint. Oh, ha, ha. And we all talked about that for like a week. And it's like, great. Is that like worth a week's time? I mean, talk about perfect distraction, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But well, whatever. Well, we, we, I think uh, let's, let's move on because, uh, you know, we, we could, we could get on a lot of this stuff and just, you know, go on for, yeah. for a long time. And, you know, they got, uh, you know, we, we've, we've been in the midst of the last two and a half years of a pandemic and, you know, with uh, with COVID and now uh, variants upon variants, and now we've got you know another another case in in the news with monkeypox and perfect yikes uh, yeah so you know it's uh, I, oh, I don't know is it safe to go outside right I think <laughs> I, they're trying to you know, they don't want you to you know it seems well, like it's maybe another, that's right <laughs> another maybe form that's right. of control they want to do you know, say like, to yourself don't go near anybody and you know, don't don't let anybody hear your thoughts or whatever. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Recently tried my favorite new coffee from Trade Coffee. It's the Greater Goods Kickstart Espresso. Dark chocolate, brown sugar, full-bodied. Gets me going in the morning. I love it. I drink it every day now. It's my go-to to get me going. Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. Whether they're from a big city or a small town, these are independent businesses. By using Trade, you'll contribute to their growth and enjoy delicious coffee while doing it. While there may be no one perfect coffee, there's a perfect coffee for you. Trade's team keeps 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day, and their human-powered algorithm will help you find your best match. Just answer a couple questions, and you'll get your own personal variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you'd like. No gimmicks. In fact, Trade is so confident they'll match you right on the first try that if they don't, a coffee expert will work with you directly to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order, plus shipping, when you go to drinktrade.com slash Connors. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Again, that's drinktrade.com slash Connors for $30 off. The last couple of episodes on Advantage Connors, we kind of threw out there that you know, if you got any questions, you put it up on Facebook. Uh, uh, any questions from our fans that uh, the tune in and uh, throw them at me. If you got any good ones, you got some good ones. Yep, I think uh, so. We got. I'll combine this one. This one's talking about your record of 109, which we've talked about a couple years ago. It's been a while. Uh, for years, everyone and even us thought the the biggest threat to it would be uh, Roger Federer, who I think is holding steady at 103. Um, but I think what it seems more and more likely is the person who has a you know a chance to break it most is either Rafael Nadal or Novak Djokovic because it you know you know obviously Fed hasn't said he's retired but he hasn't played in almost a year and three knee surgeries is tough you know he he might come back is he going to be able to win six or seven more events I'm not counting them out but it, it's uh, looking maybe less and less likely so if we're going to say someone gets to 109 what do you think do you think someone does it and if if so do you think it's Joker or Nadal? 
Well, I mean, you know, a while ago when, uh, you know, I, I, I bet that somebody would, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, uh, you know, the, the best thing about it is that that bet lasts until I die. So, you know, <laughs> please get on it in a hurry <laughs> to do it, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, listen, records are made to be broken, you know, that, and, and, you know, I've been, I've been around, I played my time and, you know, I, I can't go back and say, well, you're getting close to one Oh nine. I better go play a few more events. You know, those, those days are over as much as I would uh, love to, you know, uh, be still be young enough to go do that. Uh, but you know, the, somebody gets close to Nadal, uh, you know, you know, that, uh, that he's going to be up there. Djokovic, the, the way he's been playing between the two of them, uh, you know, they're outside of Federer, they're the two closest. And, uh, you know, but I guess a lot depends on if they if they let uh, Novak play in any tournaments anymore. You know, he's unvaxxed and that's uh, that's uh, still a big deal of, of him playing. You know, he, w- he wasn't allowed to play the Australian. Now it's questionable if he's going to play the U.S. Open because of that. And so and then Nadal, you know, uh, playing uh, playing the French and, and decided that, you know, maybe or at Wimbledon, he was in the semifinal and he defaulted and because he had a pulled stomach muscle or in decided to take some time off. Is he going to play the U S open? So my God, I mean, the, the, uh, the dilution upon dilution of, mm. of, of, of these major events. And, and uh, you know, so it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's like the, like the, uh, the other tour and uh, golf, the live tour. And I keep going back to that. I mean, when you, when you win an event like that, don't you want to tee it up against the best? Mm. you know, or, or, you know, serve it up against the best, you know, and, and when you win the tournament, you know, whether it's one of those two or, you know, Zarev or Sitsipas or, you know, whoever that wins a tournament, I just want to say, yeah, I won that tournament and everybody was in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, whether well, you can't play everybody, you can only play your draw, but, you know, but at least, uh, you know, that, you know, that's kind of my, was always my thinking and, and, uh, but Hey, it's a different, uh, different way, different game now, different, different times for sure with what we've been through the last couple of years. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully all that gets straightened out soon and, uh, yeah, the best can, can play against the best. Yeah. Um, a couple things on that. I think it's, uh, first off, it shows you what a crazy number one Oh nine is, you know, that, uh, that you were able to put up, uh, with all the players that you played against over all the, you know, crossing over the, the, the multiple generations that you played and, and then uh, also with these guys. So essentially like three guys almost have 300 titles, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just greedy, you know, gobbling up as many of the, of the tournaments these last 15 or, you know, 20 years or whatever it is now. Um, and just how kind of cool that is that, that one Oh nine has been able to, to stand. Whereas, you know, a lot of other sports and, and, and records, you know, old records fall, but this is, you know, it's been uh, standing for 30, 30 years or something now. And uh, you know it's not it's not breaking at least this next week or two. It's gonna gonna be a, at least next year, next couple of years before they can can track that down. Um, well, all right. Tom, if they play that long, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, if they let so, them play, you know, <laughs> they, yeah, to let the guys right. actually play when they want to. But um, yeah, Tommy O'Donnell says, "I know I sound like a broken record, Jimmy, as your as a career tennis instructor. I would love to know how you would approach today's game if you were playing now." I'd love to know how you would uh, fare against like the heavy topspin and stuff like that. So like, yeah. So what is it when you watch tennis now or where you watch matches and, and you know, you flip it on or whatever and, and, and you're sitting there watching and you see stuff and you go like, Oh, I can't believe they're not blank or they're doing blank. I, you know, I would, I'm salivating at the thought of being able to take advantage of that if I played today. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, you know that, which is a good question because I, I you know, I, I like Nadal because of his grind, uh, uh, but I like uh, uh, Djokovic because of his game and the way he plays it, and and the way he uh, is not afraid to step in on that top spin and 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 take it more on the rise, you know, and and to to play his returns, you know, up closer to the to the baseline, you know, where you can be a little bit more aggressive and you know try to take control of the point right away. Uh, instead of letting, you know, in a rally, letting the topspin take effect and, and bounce through and bounce higher and get up around your shoulders and, and, and uh, you know, like, uh, like all the other guys seem to like to play and like to play against that, he's moving in and, and catching the ball early to, to take that split second away from his opponent to get back into position. And that, you know, that, that was my game anyway, and that's the way I played. And I played against some topspinners too in the old days, maybe not like this because of the equipment and so forth, like, you know, Borg and Vilas and Raul Ramirez and, you know, Nastasi had topspin. And, you know, there's a number of guys who had quite a bit of topspin with the equipment that we were using. And, and uh, you know, the, you know, that kind of tennis fared pretty well uh, back then. And, and obviously, you know, the way uh, Novak is playing and, you know, his game and the way he plays, you, you can see that it holds up pretty darn good right now, too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, I feel like a lot of people compare you and Nadal because of your, you know, never quit and you try so hard on every point. But I think game wise, I think you're like a little more Djokovic because um, yeah, because the return early and like you know, solid track everything down, athletic. Because I think Nadal's tough because he's kind of like he's um, kind of a freak. You know, like the, some of the things he does, I don't think if even if you tried to mimic it, like most players would fail. Like they only work for him because of his the way his joints are and he has like the, his hands, if you see him, they're very like, his fingers are real bendy, which it feels like his, he's like loose jointed on the wrist, which helps him get all the top spin maybe. And right. But like a guy like Djokovic, I feel like is more comparable where you can see like, okay, like, you know, he does that on the return. It's very similar. He tries to catch it early and take the time away. And, and I think that's the thing you would do is, is try and take the time away. Cause so many people right. like hang back and get content staying five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 feet behind the baseline. I feel like, and then they'll get a short, you know, get a short ball. And instead of the short ball being enough to kind of take control of the point, it takes an extra point, an extra ball and another shot. And you're just like, you're just making it harder on yourself. Yeah. I mean, also, uh, you know, and, jo- and Djokovic is doing that more and more as he gets the short ball and instead of retreating, you know, he's, he's getting to be more forward and, and taking it and, and coming to the net and understanding the value of putting the extra pressure on his opponents to make them passing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, any, any, you know, whether it works that time or not, at least it's in the opponent's head that, hey, you know, I'm going to have to come up with the goods if this guy keeps coming in, you know, time after time after time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Borg, I knew uh, outside of grass that, you know, he would stay on the baseline and for him to come in, I'd have to put a chain around his neck and drag him in. <laughs> Whereas uh, on, on uh, the other side, McEnroe was coming in, you know, if he didn't come in, I was pissed, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, uh, you know, it was it was good variety uh, back then that that you knew that you couldn't get uh, complacent and and very satisfied in the one way that you played because things could change in a second you mm-hmm. know and and, and if, they, if if your opponent's going to change their game then you know some I'm going to have to change mine too and and uh, you know to kind of fit that and and it was uh, you know that that's what kind of made it fun you know to to play against you know the group of guys that I did and everybody had their own style and their own attitude towards their own game and you know, you had to 
you know, you couldn't play the same way and win uh, uh, a two-week tournament. You, you Somewhere along the line, you'd have to mix your game up. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, just was fun. Yeah, especially back then, I think that's a big difference now where, like, if you're able to figure out a way to play the generic style, play against it, then you can have, like, a lot of success on tour today. You know, like, back when you mm-hmm. played... I mean, a lot more people served and volleyed, and that was a style in itself, but there were serving volleyers, chip and chargers, baseliners, you know, where, like you you said, if you went through seven matches, you weren't going to be able to play the same the whole way through. But I think some guys today, like, you know, that's why, that's what separates the Murrays, Nadals, the Djokovic's, the Feds, is the ability to, like, they know how to beat the patterns, you know, because a lot of the guys go to the same academies. They go to Boletari or to Sanchez or, you know, a lot of these same academies, and they then they kind of teach their way, which is kind of similar. And then they all come out of these academies playing similar. You know, they all bang from the backcourt, forehands and backhands, and they try not to ever miss, and you miss first. And then, but the actual strategy, the like, you know, the, the what are you going to do when you get in this position at 1530 in the third or, you know, match play kind of stuff is lacking. And then, you know, that, that's why the best players are able to just continue to dominate. Right. And, and, you know, they, they play that one game just a little bit better anyway. Right. Well, that's <laughs> you, one you of know. the games they can go to. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they, they can mix in other ways. So, you know, that's, uh, but that's why they've, you know, dominated over the last 15, 16, whatever, 17 years. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and right now, I mean, I don't, you know, like we, we've talked about this before, Brett, that eventually a hybrid is going to come along. Right. And, and, and by that, I mean that they can play this game, you know, this power game, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the five, six, eight feet behind the baseline, but they also have kind of an old school attitude, you know, which is not, you know, don't have no fear of going to the net and mm-hmm. mixing your game up and, and hitting some angles. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing Nadal has done, especially with all his top spin that, you know, he's, uh, you know, got the understanding and the idea that, you know, hitting some balls out the side with all that top spin is, is value, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, you know, hitting the ball short angles and then deep. And then, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to play the game for all, you know, all, all our fans out there, but you know, you can see it, yeah. you, you can see why, why they're the best. And, and, uh, uh, and, and they continue to prove that, you know, tournament after tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, those guys weren't a hybrid player when they started, but they've been able to mature themselves into quote unquote hybrids where like Nadal's wasn't a great uh, doubles net player at first because he was a stay back grind topspin guy. But over the years now he has maybe the best hands in the game. You know, you see him at net, he's good and he's lefty and he knows how to, you know, strategize out there a lot better than he used to. And Djokovic is, you know, when he wins Wimbledon, he comes to the net all the time. Um, and I think you're right. I think we've started to see it trend that way. Like I used to, I think it used to think it a lot more and still like him. And, and, you know, he's, he's kind of hit a wall with where he is, but Sitsipas, like Sitsipas isn't afraid to come to net and he's really good at net at a young age. You know, we've said this before and, you know, he gets past, he doesn't give a shit. He'll keep coming. Where like if Zverev might right. get past in a bad moment and be like pissed and then just stay back because he, you know, got, got made to look bad. Mm. And then, mm. um, and then, like Alcaraz, you know, I mean, not not the biggest sample size for him so far, but what we've seen, he doesn't have fear in in any way. It seems like, and then, uh, and he's good at net, and he, you know, he knows when to sneak in, and he gets the short ball. He's not waiting the extra ball to to come in. He he moves forward quick. Right. Yep. Well, 
So. You know, that's, uh, you know, he, and, he, and he's 18 years old. So, you know, 19 maybe, now. You he's know. 19 now. He's, he crossed over oh, to 19. He's, uh, he's an old man yeah, now. He's, yeah, he's getting up there. <laughs> you know, um, but maybe, maybe that, and that, and that's the, you know, the guy now that uh, all the players are, you know, are watching the new players coming up and you're saying, you know, like, maybe I like that way to play now. Yeah. You know, so, you know, going to change yep all right, all right. One, one last more. I got time for one more one more and we'll get you out of here i'm going to kind of uh, add something to this one sean peter says jimmy what match has the greatest memories how about give me the match that stands out to you that you have the best memories or a specific good memory you can tell us about that wouldn't be from a match we would expect because i think you know people ask this question you're going to say <clears throat> you know harhus or Crickstein or, or one of your majors wins or playing McEnroe or uh, uh coming, yeah. coming back against pern force from two sets but tell us the the match that nobody would un- know and, and what the memory is and then tell us why it's so important to you all right uh, uh it was uh let's see i i'd been on a dry spell uh i just got married and and uh back i was 26 and i had uh, had a very uh, very good career up to that point. But, you know, when you're used to getting to the finals and winning majors and everything, and all of a sudden you go on a dry spell and only get to the semis, you know, you're done. And so, uh, you know, you came along and, and uh, I, I uh, had had uh, decisions of, you know, when I was playing tennis, I wanted to be with my family. When I was with my family, I wanted to be, I should be playing tennis and working. And so it took me a, a little time to adjust to that. So uh, after three years of, uh, of getting to the semis of the majors, and but I, I was still winning five and six, seven tournaments a year over that, but I wasn't winning the majors. So, uh, but I wasn't afraid to continue working because I knew if I, if I continued working and training and, and trying to improve and all that, eventually it would come along. So I was in, in Europe, and I was playing, and I played in, uh, in London, and I was playing McEnroe in the finals of, uh, I think it was the Benson and Hedges back then. Uh, and it was in the, in the final, and I had a good, good run to get to the final. But, you know, once again, I was playing McEnroe, and it was McEnroe and Borg, and Borg and McEnroe, and Connors was, was done, and, you know, one of those kind of things. And, and uh, Mac had me two sets to love. And, and I, I ended up coming back and, and beating him in five. And, and I walked off the court right then and there. And, and I said, uh, you know, I mean, I don't like I'm back. I don't, I don't like that. But, but I said, I needed this, you know, to prove that I was still good enough. You know, I didn't care about anybody watching or any of the critics or any of the experts or whatever. I needed to prove that to myself. That that being down two sets to love and against McEnroe, who had won Wimbledon and you know and, and put me on the sidelines in the semifinals and all that, that I could come back from two sets to beat him in a final. And you know from there, you know I had a a, a very good uh, 1982. I, I won uh, Wimbledon and the Open, and then 1983 I won the Open again. You know so you know kind of uh, you know propelled me again. But the, you know the key to that was that. I never, never lost my own confidence. You know, sometimes I've said this before, sometimes you got to bluff your own confidence, you know, to, to where you walk in. And, you know, I mean, it could have been easy for me to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not winning these tournaments. You know, I could be a second or third round loser. That's bullshit. I wasn't, I wasn't willing to accept that, you know, so I, I worked harder as opposed to working less and, and, uh, and, and it paid off. But uh, yeah, that was that, uh, that match right there. 
kind of turned things around and, and uh, you know, changed my whole attitude. My, you know, I knew my game was still good and, and getting better and, and uh, yeah, sent me on my way for, a, you know, another part of my roller coaster career ride to the, <laughs> to the top of the hill. To the second, <laughs> so, to the second hill. Yeah, yeah to the second one. Um, right. That's, uh, that's got to be a difficult thing because, I mean, we all think about it, but you don't really think about it when you think about sports where, like, Oh, he's washed up. He's done. He's done. He's done. And the reason they're saying you're done is because you're like three in the world or four or five. You know what I mean? You're like in the top handful of humans in the entire planet who does the thing, who plays the sport or whatever it is, you know? So like to be yeah, put- but that, but you know, you know what though, brother, that, that was the greatest compliment that, the, the, that they could give me. They, you know, the, the the experts <laughs> i love using that word the the experts they drove me you yeah. know they they put that in me to to say you know i'm not going to accept that you know and and they're very quick to you know to write guys off you know but that's the bar i set for myself you know i set that bar that that you know i i, I accepted nothing less than winning you know and and you know, and, and I was criticized for that. Well, you know, you'll, you know, you can't be doing that. That's not the way the game should be played. You know, and I'm going, it's the, it's the game I play, you know, and, and, you know, you know, that wasn't accepted for a long time, you know, until, you know, now, now you look at a guy like Nadal and you say, look at the way he plays. Isn't that exceptional? Oh God. I, you know, I'm oh, you know, shit. How long's that been around? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you know, but, you know, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, you set that bar. And, and then, you know, when, when you expect nothing less of yourself than that, then everybody else thinks they can jump on that bandwagon, you know, and, and uh, treat you like you're done, mm-hmm. you know, but that, that was the drive, you know, that, you know, Connors just can't do it anymore. He's got other things on his mind. He's got this, he's doing that. He, he's just not good enough. He's needs to work on this. That's, you know, I said, <laughs> there you go. Right. You know, there's, there's the second hill. Right. Well, funny <laughs> yeah, too. I, I had I had more more hills in my roller coaster ride, Brett, than than uh, than I should admit to. But uh, you know that was the fun part of it for me. I let myself go down a few times. I shouldn't have. You know, uh, you know, I, I had you know after I had a sophomore hangover. I, that's my fault. I take full credit for that. You know, I was. But boy, did I have fun. <laughs> but 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 the end. But the that's end like result, real life. You know what I mean? That's real. That's exactly right. You know, I I wasn't a robot. Yeah. yeah, you know, out there playing. I, I was I was a kid who loved tennis and played tennis and, you know, came from a small town and and, uh, you know, loved what I did. But also, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't have time to grow up with the luxuries of of uh, of a lot of my friends of, of uh, being Country able to take luxury. the time. Well, I'm not so much that, but just living that life. I owed too many people uh, something. You know, I, I owed Pancho and I owed my mom and I owed my grandma and my dad, my grand, my grandfather for giving me an opportunity, you know, and, and I, I said this at it, it, it Pancho's uh, uh, wake, uh, you know, after 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 he passed it, uh, you know, I, I said I, I couldn't mess up, you know, people invested in me, you know, it, not money, but their time and their emotions. And their their affection and 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 you know to give me an opportunity I I couldn't mess up yeah you know so I missed out on a lot so you know, I had to make up for it somewhere along the line but you know right. and like I said I take I I take full responsibility for that but you know sometimes 
the, the valleys are tough to swallow, but the, once you get to the peak again, it's even more more satisfying. So anyway, yeah. that, that, that's enough of that. Yeah, but I, th- I think, um, I mean, it's true. It is real life because, um, you know, like everyone has that. Like if somebody has success or, you know, has a, you know, somebody gets good grades on the report card, they're going to go out and celebrate. They're going to go party. Oh man, I got to really get back and hit the books or, you know, you, you go to the gym all year. So you look good in the summer and, uh, you know, so your body looks good and then you party and trash yourself all summer and you come back like, oh man. You know, but, but that doesn't, <laughs> right. that doesn't like take away from your good year you just put in and, and your grades you got and the tournaments you won. So it's like a realistic thing, you know, the fact that you bounce back from it um, and were able to have the ups and the downs of a long career. Cause like a lot of people didn't have nearly the, the length of career you did and to have so many ups and downs. I think the other thing that's funny is the people in press, you know, or writers where they're able to be like, oh, you know, he's done. He's got other things on his mind. And like those other things are like, like family or um, whatever, right. you know, like whatever the things are that normal people go through. And it's like, yeah, meanwhile, things that are going to be things that are going to be around long after the tennis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, meanwhile, uh, that it, hack writer is having a family and going through all the same things that you're trying to go through and want. You know, so are we supposed to be like, I don't know, your article was pretty fucking bad last week. Are you trying to like have a family and go for other things in your life? You know, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. And, and I'm, I'm honest when I, when I say, you know, sometimes the press won me more matches than, than, uh, than maybe I should have, you know, and and for me to say that, I'm sure that upsets them more than anything. (laughs) It makes them feel part of it. They're probably thrilled. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Well, do you, uh, uh, do you miss uh, that a little bit? Do you miss having that like built in inspiration, um, to like shove it in their face, to keep grinding, to prove them wrong to, you know, like, do you kind of miss that? Cause like once you stop playing tennis and now you're just, you know, retired, a regular citizen doing your own thing, there's not articles written about your day to day things and what were your, th- what you did last night. I'm going to critique it in a two page article on the front page, you know, you know, so like, th- do you miss that a little bit getting used to, to using that for motivation and as a way to get up and, and to keep going in your yeah. normal life? Well, of course. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of missed it back then when, when I needed it, you know, when it was, when it was my other life. Mm-hmm. You know, tell you, you know, I, and we've, we've talked to the, about this many times better, you know, t- tennis is my past life. Yeah, you know, you know, what, what I do now and, and, you know, my life that I have now, I mean, I, I love my past life. Don't get me wrong. I mean, tennis was, was the ultimate, ultimate, you know, for, for me to be connected to that. You know, I, I once said that, uh, you know, Nastasi was born in a pair of tennis shorts. I was born to play tennis. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, he he was one step ahead of me. He had the shorts on already, you know, and, and, but, uh, 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 you know, I, I felt that, you know, when I first got into it, there's nothing, you know, from the very first minute I remember it and, until today that I would have wanted to do besides what I did. And that was try to be the best player in the world. And but do I miss that? I could always find a way to push myself further, uh, you know, and, and, and that was just a part of it. You know, some sometimes I had to dig down even deeper than that, you know, and, and you know, taking myself, you know, to the woodshed, you know, and, and you know, berating myself and doing whatever. I mean, I mean, even going out today, you know, and riding, riding my bike for my exercise, the hills that I go up and stuff. I mean, you know, it's that extra push and that extra, 
you know, grunt and grind, you know, to get up that hill and, and not say I'm going to I'm going to quit 100 yards early. I'm going to go 100 yards more, mm. you know, uh, the discipline uh, and, and all, all of that that enters into, you know, that entered into me being what what I had become. What was what was the the it was the package that that was was that uh, and and do I do I miss that the the you know the controversy and and the criti- the criticism and and everything that went along with it hell yeah I do you know that that means that I must have been doing something right mm-hmm. you know or you know or, or or if not then you know if they were writing about it maybe I had to change something and I wasn't afraid to do that but yeah. but I I was pretty good. At, at managing me uh, and, and, and my on-court versus my off-court, you know, and my off-court, you know, was more than, it was more than just family. It was still the tennis because I was playing at a high level, but I had to manage that. But I was really good at managing me and, and, uh, and, and the criticism and, and everything, because if you, if you're not good at it, I mean, you can see what goes on today. I mean, you know, a lot of these kids and, you know, with their, you know, with, with the attitudes, if you say something, you know, that's uh, derogatory to them and, you know, it's, it's, it's stress, there's stress and there's strain and, you know, being, being, uh, you know, playing in front of 25,000 people and a hundred million more on television and, and all that, there's stress and strain behind that, you know, to have to perform and, 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 and it, it, it can get to you uh, yeah. uh, if you let it, if you let it. But, you know, I, I was pretty good at not letting it get to me and, and finding a way that when I left the tennis, that I, I tried to have more to do outside of that, you know, to, to give myself a break, uh, whether it was at a tournament or, at, you know, when I was taking a week or two or three or whatever off to get away from it and, and to, to you know, kind of regroup and, and uh, you know, get some more energy to, to get back and do it. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Do I, do I, just to answer your question in one word, do I miss it? Hell yeah, I miss it. <laughs> that, that was that was great. It was great stuff. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the things that probably lent to you being so good and having the longevity was that um, tennis wasn't like your whole life, whole life. You know, like you've always had, I feel like a good mix with it where like, yeah, sure. It was your career and you played it every day as a kid growing up and everything. But like you wouldn't go and hang out at the tennis all day. You know, you, no. would, you would go and practice or play your match and, and then you'd get out of there, you know, like, whereas a lot of people go and even when they're not, not playing that day, they'll go and hang and eat and work out and stay there and hang around and watch the other players. And, you know, where the, you, there's like a, there's a certain part of tennis that has this, they can't live without it. Like it's almost like oxygen, you know, they need it to, right. to know who they are and for the rest of the world to know who they are. And, and the people I always like in, in tennis kind of are the ones who are a little more low key and and don't come around and aren't quite as available uh, to be well, there to hand I, out everything. I'll, I'll say I'll say it this way. I mean, you know, around the tennis, the excitement and the electricity and and everything that it had back then. You know, when you were around it, but I, I wasn't crazy about the smell of the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you know, to you know, to I needed a I needed to get away, uh, you know, and and to you know, not just hang around. And, you know, a lot of my buddies, you know, when I got there and I was before my match, I'd see them and whether they were playing, you know, when I was, or they, they're finished or, you know, I get to see them and, and all that. But you're right. Once, uh, once I was finished with my match, it was, it was time to go, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and get away and kind of, you know, grab some energy and, and, 
uh, some let my mind you know get away from that a little bit so that when I got around the tennis, it was all business. Yeah, you know, for me when I was around the tennis, uh, and and uh, you know it's just the way it is now. I think you know my reputation, you know, since uh, you know since I coached Andy. And then, uh, you know, with uh, Bouchard a little bit and so forth, and that that my reputation is when I'm around the town, I'll have more fun with you than anybody, you know, going out or whatever. You want to sit down and have a drink? I'll have a drink. You want to have dinner? I'll have dinner. You want, whatever. But when I'm around the tennis, it's all, I'm all business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and whether it be, and back then, all that business was, was me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was to my benefit. You know, if I win, uh, you know, I get the title, I get the check, I get the the endorsement. I, I you know, it was the I syndrome. <laughs> you know, now, you know, I still have that that reputation. You know, for, you know, for 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 somebody I'm trying to help. Right. You know, so uh, that I don't know if that's good or bad because I wonder if a lot of uh, the players out there would want to work that hard. <laughs> you know, so interesting. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That's my thoughts. I've had enough. I'm reminiscing and I hate doing that. All right. Then we'll wrap it up. Uh, One thing I just wanted to um, touch on from last week's show. We talked about the Beagles, the 4,000 Beagles that were rescued. A little bit of an update. They have landed in uh, in their areas. They're starting to come into the adoption centers and pounds and stuff throughout the country. Uh, They have, they've, some have come into California. Melina's telling me I'm sitting here with gold doodle Isabella. Uh, on Instagram at Gold Doodle Isabella, Gold Dude Isabella, if you want to follow her. Um, and then uh, randomly, I was scrolling. I have a friend, uh, Jordan Kessler, um, who lives in Wisconsin now. I was scrolling through her her feed, and it was her and her husband playing with like eight beagles or something like that. And I'm like, "Hey, is, are these from the rescue?" And she's like, uh, "Let me check real quick. Yeah, they are. They just came in. Uh, you know, I think her husband's family is uh, fostering them, trying to help them get some." Some some homes. So if anybody out there can give them a home or donate or help follow up, I think it'd be a, a good story and make you feel good to help out a little bit. Well, it, it's it's uh, gained some traction already. Yep. You know, so yeah, that's the uh, it's a step in the right direction. And uh, yeah, beagles are great dogs. You know, uh, we said it before. We're we're an animal family. Uh, dogs and cats and horses and sheep and uh, uh, rabbits and you know, in anything and everything. And, uh, you know, if you can, uh, anybody out there that's listening to us, if you can help out, that'd be great. Yep. That'd be great. Good show today. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to eat a little lunch and get in bed. I have to be back at work at 3 a.m. for some more clay court tennis. <laughs> so, uh, you can follow us. I'll do it this week. You've been doing it too okay. much the last few weeks. You've been taking all the shine. Okay, here we go. Ready? Uh, you ready? can follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Connors. Follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Connors or at ADV Connors for the show. Instagram is at Advantage Connors. I'm at Bretters. Uh, we got um, at Gold Dude Isabella and at Advantage Connors spelled out for the show. I want to give a shout out to our editor slash helps produce the podcast, Sean Bannon. Shout out. Just wanted to give him love. He helps us every week and uh, he does a great job. And anything else? Any final words? Nope. I couldn't have said it better myself. And uh, I'll shout out to to Sean also. He's doing a great job. And uh, thanks for the help. And I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Get some rest. Talk to you later. Love you. Peace.